I'm thankful for many things when it comes to reading the early disciples and their stories and their life. I'm mainly thankful about their humanity. I'm thankful that I can go back and read stories of the disciples and recognize that they are just as human as I am and maybe sometimes more human than I am. And in that humanity they feared. In that humanity they sometimes had their stresses and they had their anxieties. And so this is why I I waded into this series of sermons on fear because I recognize, first of all, that after the resurrection, this is one of the themes of the disciples in the upper room or in the room behind the locked doors, that they had fear. They were scared, just like you and I can be scared at times. But then I also realize how sometimes if I allow my fears to just run wild without calling them out, without paying attention to them, how they tend to shrink wrap life down to a very manageable size. And something of the fullness of life gets lost. Something of the richness of life gets lost. I came to the conclusion a few years ago there's only two basic emotions. And that is fear and love. For some reason I began to see that these were two starting points that from those flowed all our other emotions, responses, and reactions. Now I've got no scientific data to back this up. It's just observation and personal experience. So, you can imagine I was more than pleased when I came across a John Lennon quote that affirmed that. And I'm pretty sure this is the only thing that John Lennon and I have in common or their similarities. But John Lennon wrote or said this at one point. There are two basic motivating forces, fear and love. All hopes for a better world rest in the fearlessness and the open-hearted vision of people who embrace life. And I reread that last sentence of Lenin's quote. Again, quote, all hopes for a better world rest in this fearlessness and open-hearted vision of people who embrace life. And I began to wonder to myself, maybe that's what I saw in life, in people. Maybe that caused me to come to this conclusion that love and fear are the two basic emotions, that folks would often end up living fearful lives that seem to prevent them from possessing this open-hearted vision in which, in the end, would keep them from embracing life in all of its fullness and all of its richness and sometimes in, in all of its scariness and messiness. But even sometimes in that, it's still life. So if my starting point is fear that I'm going to live a fearful life which positions me in life as a person whose heart is always on guard, whose vision is limited to only what I understand and feels safe for me. According to my assumptions and understanding, consequently then I'm never really embracing life. I'm keeping it at arm's length. In fact, in many ways, I'm, I'm kind of questioning everything. And I'm not, even to, I'm not able to just let things rest. I'm not able to let things go. Confession. This is where you lean into fear sometimes and, and, uh, and you, you say, okay, share a part of yourself. After every message on Sunday morning, I never ask Linda, and I think I've told you this before, I never ask her, did you get anything out of it? Because, you know, even Linda's got to have a bad day every now and then, <laughs> which means I have a lot of bad days. 
but I never want her to say to me, yeah, I think I got something out of it, when she got zero out of it. That's okay. What I ask her is, was it clear? Was the message clear? If it's clear, then I'm good with it, you would think. But on my really worst days, 30 minutes later, okay, so were you really sure it was clear? (laughs) Yes, it was clear. Desserts come, drinking coffee. Okay, let's just kind of back this up again. How clear was it? Was it really clear? What did you get out of it, you know? And then if it's a really tiring week on Sunday afternoon, about two hours later, all right, so you thought it was pretty clear. And by that time, she's just saying, you know, I didn't get anything out of it. It was worth, just don't ever preach again, all right? (laughs) No. On my worst days, I lived this fearful life, which I wonder what they thought of me. I wonder what they feel about me now. I wonder if I'm still okay. I wonder if I still have it. Now, that's just being honest. But that's just fear. See, that's what fear does. Fear will cause you to call into question your whole existence as a human being and whether you have something to offer anymore. Am I right? Yes. Thank you, Mona. (laughs) It will call into question Now, if my starting point is love, then I'm going to live life with a much more open heart and a much more open vision, an open-hearted vision of what could be a possibility, and I'm more likely to embrace life with all of its risk, adventure, uncertainty, and challenge, maybe not 100% of the time, but more often than not. And I remember Rick Warren, who is this megachurch pastor in California, but always loves to offer... um, good tidbits of stuff to people in his book. He wrote a book years ago called The Purpose Driven Church. Actually, not too bad. Wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. Sold millions of copies. Um, and, and was very generous because after he sold all those books, he just completely took the role of these, all those books and said to his church, you don't have to pay me anymore. That's why, by the way, I don't write books. Um, <laughs> but I remember him saying in one of his books that he put a little sign on his pulpit. Because every time he stepped into that pulpit, the sign read this. These are a people to love, not to fear. And what he was reminding himself was, give of yourself 100%. Spend yourself fully out of love. And if you do, doesn't matter, you'll never fail. If you spend yourself 100%, In love, you will never fail. Just give it all you have. Players say, leave it on the field. Give it all you have in love, and you'll never fail. So starting points matter. And whether we realize it or not, we have been created to start from love. In our text this morning, we heard these words, God is love, and those who remain in love remain in God, and God remains in them. And this is how love has been perfected in us so that we can have confidence on the judgment day. And then John writes, because we are exactly the same as God in this world. And there it is. We are exactly the same as God. We are created in the image of God, and God is love. So follow the logic. So you and I have been created to show up in this world as both recipients and bearers of God's love. We have been created to show up as open-hearted people who embrace life with possibility and hope. This is how we have been designed. 
This is how we have been created. We are receptacles of God's love, and we are designed to expend that love. Anything different, anything else throws us off. That's why fear messes up our system. It messes up our understanding. It messes up our embracing life. And then John writes, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Not perfection in the sense of perfectionism. Enough of us have enough challenges with that, trying to never make a mistake. But the word for perfection here means it's moving towards a goal, moving towards wholeness, growing towards something that makes our life whole. It is a love that is growing. It is a love that is moving forward and towards wholeness, and it drives out fear, and it drives fear away. And I would put it this way, a fear-based world is in desperate need of a movement of love driven people. Let me say it again. A fear-based world is in desperate need of a movement of love-driven people. And I kind of want to be with that second group. When we fear, or we're fear-based, we hold back. We shrink back. We stop showing up in life, and we end up phoning it in. We do this because we're afraid of failing. We're afraid of disappointing. We're afraid of making mistakes or embarrassing ourselves. We're afraid of not being perfect. We're afraid that life is going to punish us somehow. And some very real incidences in our life can make us that way. I remember seventh grade social studies class, Mr. Oliger. Some of us have always had these school experiences. New teachers that affirm and keep reminding kids to, to, to search, to explore, to be inquisitive, to be curious. God bless you. Because first day of seventh grade social studies, Mr. Oliver said, can anybody show me where the Indian Ocean is? Seventh grade, I'd been in elementary school all my life up to then. I was ready for the big time. You know, you got to change classes and everything. So I was excited. First class of the day, I said, boom, I know where it is. And I pointed on the map and had it all wrong. And Mr. Oliver says to me, Mr. Wagner, you may want to brush up on your history and geography again before you raise your hand. And I remember at that point, I remember I'm never going to ask a question again. I'm never going to respond again. In that moment I said that. Now I probably did. But every time after that, I would question myself. I would second guess myself. And my life really became a journey of second-guessing everything I did and everything I had created or made. And it's taken years to move beyond that. So we're afraid that we're going to get punished. So John's own words in our text, fear expects punishment. Who wants to be punished? Who wants to be that person who keeps punishing themselves? So we hold back, and we hold back tightly. We don't want to be punished for sharing our truth, so we hold back. We, do, we don't want to be punished for trying to mend a conflict and seek reconciliation, so we give up and we let the relationship dissolve. We don't want to be punished for taking a risk and possibly failing or making a mistake, so we play it safe. We, we don't want to be punished sharing our confusion, our doubts, and weaknesses, so we put on a front and we hide our true self. Or we don't want to be punished for rocking the boat, so we keep quiet and we keep our ideas to ourselves. And John writes, we love because God first loved us. Our starting point isn't to pump ourselves up with a positive platitude. Our starting point is simply the love of God. Or put another way, God's love for you and I. The way that God loves us is not this sentimental kind of love. It's, the word is used in the Greek, agape. You've heard that word, I'm sure, before. 
It's this Greek word that means God has your best interest at heart. God is working for your good. God's intention for your life is that you and I flourish. This is the intention of God's love for you and I. In fact, in the eyes of God, it is not possible to be a failure. It is not possible to be without a hopeful future. It is not possible that you can't start over again. All of that is possible because of God's love for you and I, God's intention for our life. So if I choose to live this fear-based life, I'm always going to shrink my life down to what is manageable, what is reachable, what is attainable, what is acceptable. And if I choose to live a love-driven life, I will not worry whether it's manageable reachable, attainable, or even acceptable. All I really need to ask myself is this one question. Does it reflect the love of God for God's creation, and does it make me a more loving person? Does it lift up those around me, or does it diminish those around me? Does it lift up life and all of its beauty and wholeness, or does it diminish life? In his recent book, The Last Arrow, Author and pastor um, Erwin McManus, fellow out in California, writes this. It's a couple paragraphs, so I'll try to process it very slowly. Here's what he writes. So if you're afraid of heights, you stay low. If you're afraid of people, you stay alone. If you're afraid of the outdoors, you stay inside, and that's one of the reasons that you need to lean into your fears. Because your fears really become the material in which your life is limited. And most of these things that we're afraid of, they never come to pass. We tend to be more afraid of shadows and possibilities. Fear, he then adds, is a pessimistic act of faith about the future. Fear and worry say the worst possible scenario is going to happen. So why allow faith to operate your life from the dark side in a sense? So I tell people, he writes, look, you don't know how it's going to play out. You don't know what the future holds. You don't know if you're going to succeed or fail. So what becomes important is giving yourself to something that matters whether you succeed or fail. And worry is actually trying to control things that are outside our control, which actually sucks the energy out of your soul. And so he finishes up. So stop worrying about the things that are out of your control and start focusing on the things that you actually do have control over. So where do I start? Where does one begin? Quickly. Start first with hearing what John wrote and realizing your identity and your humanity is grounded, embraced in the love of God. The most real thing about you is that you are loved by God. You are and I are the beloved of God. Nothing you have done, nothing you will do ever will change that reality. That is the core of our existence. (laughs) That is why we can't fail. Well, we can in some eyes, but we can't. That is why we can always begin again. That's why we can always start over. That's why we never can make a mistake. Well, we can, but we can learn from it. Because our identity is grounded in that love. Absolutely. Next, I would do this. Take Mr. McManus's advice and lean into your fears. Remember, there's no fear in love. And God's all about developing you and I for our good so that we can do some good in the world. God is all about developing us for our good so that we can do some good in the world. So instead of shrinking back from your fear, lean into your fear. For example, lean into that hard conversation that needs to take place. 
Lean into that stand for peace and justice if you feel you need to take. Lean into that position you feel unqualified for but would enable you to have influence in a positive way and would really access your gifts. Lean into that next step in your personal growth that may involve you making changes in your life. Lean into claiming your strengths and your personal integrity and, being, and moving forward with your life. Lean into opening yourself up to understanding something in a different way, possibly having my mind changed. Lean into speaking your own truth, even if it's not accepted or understood. Whatever it is that you shrink away from, that you shrink back from, but if you lean into it, it would bring life and love and flourishing to this world, then lean into it. Lean into your fears with the awareness and knowledge and faith that God is going to be behind you, with you, and ahead of you in helping to make something good come out of it for both you and your world. And the last thing I'll say is this, according to this passage, and that something good always involves loving others. Hear what John wrote. We love because God first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates a brother or sister, he is a liar because the person who doesn't love a brother or sister who can't be seen can't love God who can't be seen. I don't know why I had something written down here for the ending, but as I was listening this morning to those words, I realized this. Maybe that's the key of living a love-driven life. We no longer see each other as strangers. We see each other as human beings. Not only in the church pew, but in humanity. We no longer see each other as invisible. We see each other as brothers and sisters. When we live in fear, that's not possible. But only when we live in love. And John's pretty clear. If you say you love God and you can't even see God, how can you say you love this person and they're right in front of you? How can you say you hate them? And they're right in front of you. If you say you love God, it just follows. You love this person. Fear-based life sees strangers and non-entities. Love-driven sees human beings, brothers and sisters. It says, man, sometimes we're all scared together. But you know what? We can all love together in a way that builds each other up desires God's best intentions for each other's life and for this world as well.